wrestling fans, are you ready? This is Tuesday. You people bought a ticket to see me, so shut up. Wrestling Tuesday with Jonathan Hood. First of all, Dusty Rose, I think what you are is a big, ugly, low-class redneck goose. That's what I think you are. Yeah, I'm pretty. I know I'm pretty. But I'm most of all, the baddest man around in the world today. Follow the show at WrestlingTWT on Twitter and Instagram. But remember, my fireflies, as always, I'll light the way. And all you have to do is let me in. Tuesday, Wrestling Tuesday. The bottom line is, and all my magnificent, you're going to be mine. Here's Jonathan Hood. Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday with me, Jonathan Hood, right here. Wherever you download your podcast, thanks so much for checking out Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at WrestlingTWT. So the story is that the WWE will be streaming some of their programming on the Peacock Network. Let's talk about this just for a second because I saw this come across a couple of days ago and I was thinking, you know, I should try to find a guest, a special guest to talk about this. I have a number of people in my Rolodex that know about media and know about professional wrestling. You know, we have had Richard Deitchon, who was a terrific media reporter for many years or my guy Jason Barrett who uh, is a big wrestling fan WWE and AEW but also part of Barrett Sports Media Um, Christy Dosh who is very good when it comes to uh, sports and business but you know I decided to take this myself to talk about this for a second we will hear from Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez and get their initial reaction from Wrestling Observer in a little bit. But so the story comes across that NBC Universal is going to give its Peacock streaming service a little boost. So it's sending WWE into the ring. The wrestling giant and the NBC Focus streamer announced on Monday that they've reached a multi-year deal in which Peacock will become the exclusive streaming home for the WWE Network in the United States. This all will take place on March 18th, and they're going to be getting a rollout of content that the company say will include more than 17,000 hours of new, original, and library WWE programming on demand and a 24-7 channel. So if you already have the WWE Network like I do, whatever you've seen on this network now is going to be over on Peacock. So, there's a number of things that have come to mind, and I want to talk about this with you. First of all, I was a big fan of the WWE 24-7 service before the WWE Network was launched because I love old school wrestling. For those of you that have listened to me, you know that I relate a lot of the old school to the new school as far as logic and storylines and personalities, so forth and so on. Not hating anything that I'm watching in 2021, but... I know the area I grew up in, and I like that, and I like some of the stuff that I see here in 2021 with sports entertainment and pro wrestling. We know that there is an evolution to the business no matter what decades we're talking about. Whatever time frame we're talking about, there's always an evolution to the business. So I was a big fan of the 24-7 WWE 
um, kind of uh, opportunity for us to watch as wrestling fans because I was able to see those roundtable discussions with Mean Gene and Jim Ross and Michael Hayes and Taz and Jerry Lawler and uh, the late Pat Patterson, all of these wrestlers around telling stories about the past. And I really liked that. And I also liked some of the uh, matches from Madison Square Garden from the WWF back in the day and just kind of watching old primetime wrestlings. And, of course, from the 24-7 service comes the WWE Network. And when it first rolled out, okay, I said, well, this is the company that bought libraries of the territories back in the day. And they had to try to modify it and clean it up so that way we could be able to watch old world-class out of Dallas and be able to watch some of the Madison Square Garden stuff from the WWF and WCW, old NWA. And then those kind of very vintage clips, those black and white uh, wrestling matches and some of those angles from back in the day. Um, Some stuff is on there, some stuff is not on there. Um, from back in the day in its original format. But point is, though, is that the WWE had all this content, all this library, and it come to find out that a lot of the people that were getting on the WWE Network um, couldn't care less about Raw from 25 years ago. Couldn't care less about some random Nitro, some random Thunder, or stuff that I would be interested in as far as the historic context of professional wrestling. They made the WWE Network affordable to an average fan. Hey, it's $9.99. Anything that you want, pay-per-views and old content to documentaries, $9.99. And on the surface, when this was discussed in the early 90s, as Vince McMahon told Jim Ross, it's like, you know what I want? You know, there's a weather channel and there's a basketball channel and there's a football channel. What about a WWE channel? Something where people can be able to turn on WWE 24-7. It's a concept from years ago, before its inception. Because from Vince's standpoint, he wanted to compete with all the other cable channels. Of course, you come to find out now that streaming is the thing. And so instead of having a cable channel that's called WWE, where people can just sit down and just watch on their regular television now, of course, streaming is alive. And so the WWE became a streaming service with their own network. And as they gave us a $9.99 price and kept promoting it and kept promoting it, it was successful, but there was a ceiling to the success. Because as much as I'm into the past of, say, the WWF and everything else in the the past and the documentaries and some of the stuff that they do along with the pay-per-views, it didn't resonate with everybody. So now, here we go with the WWE and they just kind of middling along. Here's a little NXT UK for you. Here's some independent stuff that they're on there. Here's, and they've tried, but it, it has not been the success that they thought it would be. And so now they are going with this streaming service, Peacock, which is part of NBC Universal. My wife works for NBC. I know very much the ins and outs of what's happening with NBC Universal and its streaming service, Peacock. I've I'm privy to a lot of this information. And so when I found out initially that was happening, it's like, okay. So Peacock, that has The Office and 30 Rock and Friday Night Lights and some of their own uh, 
catalog of films and originals now has a WWE network. A billion dollar deal. A billion dollar deal. And it's a head scratcher for me because did NBC Universal really have an understanding of what is happening with the WWE? Now, here's the good, right? The WWE, as I've said on this podcast before, it did something that all the old territory guys could not do. All those territory promoters that were taking care of the arena shows, the house shows, the live events, and was on just local channels, could never get their product on network TV. Vince did. I'm sure for Bill Watts and Jim Crockett and for um, Don Owen in Portland and for Fritz Von Erich in Dallas and Joe Blanchard in San Antonio and the Poffos in Kentucky and Jerry Lawler in Memphis along with Jerry Jarrett and um, all the promoters in, in the Toronto office for the WWF at the time and Vern Gagne in the AWA and uh, Sam Munchnik in St. Louis, on and on and on. All of these promoters, right? Along with Eddie Graham in Florida and Carlos Colon in Puerto Rico. All these different promoters back then. I think that they wish that they were able to get their product on network TV. You cannot discount how important it is for the WWE being on Fox every Friday night. doesn't matter if you like the show or not. Uh, the, it's the best show the WWE has as far as uh, the difference between Raw and SmackDown. SmackDown has been the best for a while here. And for it to be on Fox every Friday at 7 is a wet dream for any promoter past, present, or future. Because that's exactly what you want. You want to be able to be seen. It's one thing to be on cable. It's one thing to be on a streaming service or being on Roku or you know being on YouTube. All those things are good. Awareness is great for wrestling. I don't care how big or small the company is. Awareness is cool. But when you make a network and you're part of sliding in the network and you're not going to be canceled anytime soon, no matter how much dog shit that you put on your TV, uh, no matter how mediocre your TV is, you are locked in at 7 o'clock Central Time every single Friday. And that is cool. Every promoter wishes they had that. And so Vince was able to broker that deal. With the business being down. <laughs> Don't forget about that part of it. With, with WWE not necessarily putting out their best stories. Not necessarily having a must-see wrestler on their roster. Not necessarily having a Hulk Hogan, a Steve Austin, Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels. Not necessarily having a John Cena type wrestler on their roster. They were able to get this Fox deal, which is huge. Now, to Peacock. I don't know why Peacock decided to put this on their streaming service. ESPN more than likely had an opportunity to do this, to put on ESPN+. Plus. There's some issues, I'm sure, that don't age well as far as the content from the Attitude Era that I know that ESPN+, Plus would not want on their uh, ESPN+, Plus streaming service. There's some stuff there, as you well know, from the Attitude Era, with the middle fingers and blackface and um, really 
treading the line of and crossing the line of sexuality. I know that ESPN Plus and Disney would, wouldn't want to have that on their streaming service. There could have been DAZN. There could have been other places, CBS Sports. They could have been able to put it anywhere, but Vince has had this relationship with NBC for a long, long time. And somehow, some way, he's able to get a billion-dollar deal for a four or five years to have the ex- to give up his exclusivity of the WWE Network to Peacock for a billion dollars. Again, a WWE Network that has not necessarily been great. It's been good for me, but lately you've got documentaries here and there. Okay, you get to pay-per-views. Okay, cool. But it hasn't been outstanding it had, because the action in 2021 has not necessarily been outstanding. It's not been must-see. So here's the thing that I'm thinking about with this deal. First of all, it's great for the wrestling business overall that a Peacock streaming service is able to dole out a billion dollars to Vince and the WWE to get this deal done. That's great for wrestling. It's a great wrestling story. It's great that Vince is on Fox, as I've talked about. I'll say this, though. With this deal taking place, what is the incentive for Vince McMahon to turn this company around from a storyline standpoint? I know Raw sucks. And as I've said many times on this show, I don't know how you all sit there for three hours and watch nonsense. There's some good wrestling here and there. The storylines are head-scratching to the point where I'm just waiting for the pay-per-views or I'm waiting for the uh, pre-produced packages to explain somehow in their pretzel logic what is going on with this story and why should I be interested. So I'm waiting for those on YouTube or uh, in, a, in very short sound bites, a very you know, two minutes to explain to me on Twitter what is going on with the storyline so I can be invested for their tentpole events or any of those pay-per-views I'm interested in. Tentpole events being WrestleMania Royal Rumble Survivor Series SummerSlam. Because a lot of this stuff is nonsensical where it does not connect from week to week. And the reason why that I know that is I'm, I have two good eyes. And then from those that don't work in the company anymore, that tell these stories of, yeah, you know, Vince told me that don't worry about what the fans think. It's about what we think here in the office. Don't worry about the fans. The fans are forgetful. They won't forget. They won't remember from one week to the other. And I just think that that's garbage. It's a shame, but Vince has taken advantage of the fans for a long time to the point where some WWE fans will watch anything WWE and think that everything's good. See, the problem is, is that I've been watching wrestling for a long time, and I know what it looks like when it's good. Only point is, is that when the wrestling was good in some of those areas in the South or uh, in the Mid-Atlantic and in the Midwest, uh, the problem is, is that those promoters were limited. They were good for the time, but they didn't have the business savvy to be able to expand their business outside of their own territory for them to make millions, or in this case, billions of dollars like Vince. The marketing campaign, the awareness of the WWE has put them in this position right now. Do you realize with this deal of a billion dollars from NBC Universal to put their network, their network, again, that's not HBO Max, it's not Netflix, it's not Amazon Prime, it's the WWE Network. Do you realize that Vince could just say, you know what I'm going to do? 
I'm going to build a Raw arena and a SmackDown arena, and I'm going to put them side by side. And I'm not traveling at all with the wrestlers unless it's Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, SummerSlam, and Survivor Series. We don't have to travel anymore, kids, because, hey, I got a billion dollars coming in the back pocket. The billion dollars that you and I would pay for, for tickets and merch, it's already taken care of. I'm not saying that he's going to do that, but I'm saying is that the bills are paid. <laughs> billion dollar deal. The Fox deal, already paid for. In the past, it was wrestling to pay for deals like this. You get the point? The point is, is that for years, it was on the blood and sweat of Hulk Hogan and Roddy Piper and Mr. T and Paul Orndorff. It was on the sweat of Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant. It was on the blood, sweat, and tears of Steve Austin and Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels and DX and The Rock. It was on the blood, sweat, and tears of the Iron Sheik and Sergeant Slaughter and Pat Patterson. And the list goes on and on and on of the all-time greats from the WWE. They had to build the house for Vince for decades. He wouldn't be in this position if it wasn't for those old veterans that built the WWE. You see, now he's building his empire on these deals like the Peacock deal or the Fox deal. He's doing it through streaming and network. And so they are building the house. They're building the empire even further, more so than a random house show in Cedar Rapids, Iowa on a Thursday night. For years, it was always the boys and the women that had to build and provide a revenue stream. To There were as times in the 80s and a little bit in the 90s where there was three shows going on a night. The rosters were so big that there was an A show with Hogan, a B show with the Intercontinental Champion, a C show with the Tag Team Champions. And they would do well in most of those arena shows, those live events. That's how big the company was. A, B, and C shows. Crockett tried to do that in the NWA with at least an A and B show. And he wasn't as successful, clearly. He had some success in his territory. But Vince could take it across the country and say, I'm going to run three shows in California and sell them all out. Without Hogan being on top. That's how it was built back in the day. And now Fox and Peacock, they are building this. Vince doesn't have to step out in his company, doesn't have to travel if they don't want to. They don't have to do the house shows anymore. They can come to big cities like New York and Chicago and Dallas and L.A. and Houston and Miami if he wants to. And just tell the wrestlers to go home. Come to the Raw building or the SmackDown building and we can do it there. He's been able to do this during this pandemic. That's how big this deal is. This deal taking place during the pandemic where there hasn't been an influx of revenue coming in for the WWE. They've been, as you well know, on these Thunderdome shows. But yet, that's the gravity. That's how big the WWE's gotten. That's something. 
and you give Vince all the credit for it. But again, I'll circle back. So how does this get better for me as a fan? Yes, the WWE is making this money, and I'm talking about it from a, a business standpoint, it's great. But what about me? When I'm seeing wrestlers appear and disappear on Monday Night Raw, and I'm seeing Randy Orton as a baby face or a heel or, or somewhere in between, all the shades of gray bullshit every single week. So while the WWE is making money, what about me? Where do I fall in as a fan? See, see what I'm saying? Like, for if you love it, great. But I don't. Because I know the WWE could be better. But they take you and me for granted. And you may get the humor for Vince because you've seen the same show for 5 years, 10 years, 20 years. Been a lapsed fan in and out of the company. But you see, the thing is, is that now that the bills are paid and the money's coming in. There's no incentive for Vince McMahon to have better storylines. All the people that you've ever wanted pushed. From Daniel Bryan to Damian Sandow. To Long Island IZ, Matt Cardona, to all these people that you've always liked. From all these people, I'm thinking of like, um, you know, Brock Lesnar or whoever, right? And there's been some people that you've liked and you say, how come they're not getting pushed? How come they're not getting pushed? Because we don't matter anymore. Because when you get a Fox deal and a, a NBC Universal Peacock deal, we have we don't matter. Because the bills are paid. That's a problem. The other side of this is what about the boys? I talked about the bell to bell and the, the weak storylines and the nonsensical storylines, the WCW 2000 type storylines, as if Vince Russo is writing this. But what about the boys? That's the, the, the phrase, the boys, meaning the wrestlers in the back. That was an old school phrase. But what about the women and the men in the back? How much money did they get from this? It's the same company that took away the ability to have third-party deals like Twitch and you know all these other streaming services or gaming. They took that away from them while the WWE's got this billion-dollar deal with Peacock. What's that? What happens to the men? How much do they get paid? How much extra do they get paid with this deal? I'm thinking none. Zero. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking zero. Which is amazing to me. Let's go to the Wrestling Observer and hear from Brian Alvarez and from Dave Meltzer. If you don't know the difference between the two, the one that interrupts the most, that is Dave Meltzer from Wrestling Observer as they talk about their deal on the Wrestling Observer, uh, Wrestling Observer Live radio show. All right, well, we got to talk about this Peacock deal. WWE Network is moving to Peacock starting in March. The Fastlane pay-per-view will be March available 18th. there. March 18th is the move-over date. Yep. This is a U.S.-only deal, so if you're getting the network elsewhere around the world, Canada, UK, wherever, I mean, everything will be the same. But in the U.S., your network is going to end... You will be switched over to Peacock at the $4.99 tier. And if you want to upgrade to the $9.99 tier for no ads, you're welcome to do that. And you will get the WWE Network. You will get everything available on Peacock. This is a great deal if you're a fan. This is a great, great deal, deal if you're it's, WWE. It's it a is a, a mind-blowing deal if you're Peacock. I just... It, it, econo economically, the deal makes no sense for them. Yes. Um, but they're... 
in their mentality. I mean, essentially, they're getting um, they're paying two hundred million plus a year to get about sixty six million dollars worth of revenue in, which um, you know, like if that was our business, I think that we wouldn't take it. But their men- the mentality is that that you know they're looking for subscribers and. By signing WWE, um, they're guaranteed, in theory, 1.1 million subscribers. And they think much more because they're going to be a lower price than 9.99. I don't know if it'll be much more. Well, I mean, actually, they're not guaranteed 1.1 million because if you have Comcast, if you have Cox, yes. I mean, you get Peacock for free. And so, but, that, but they they count they count those numbers. They, but they've they, already got those subscribers. So what difference? No, no, no. no they're, 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 well, okay, they're. they're they don't. I mean, they in theory do, but they don't. What it is 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 if you have that, you can sign up. But most of the people, you know, that, you, that you're bringing up have never signed up. So it's like you get it for free. So they're getting a number. They're getting a. But they're getting no money for that number. They're getting no money, but they think that they can add. They can sell ads because that's the whole key. Was it's ad supported? It's an ad supported stream. So they can get their numbers up for to sell more ads. By having the free people in, so the free people do count to them, even though they will get no direct money from those people. So that's the, the mentality, and the mentality is is that you know WWE Network always you know had, had a problem with churn. They would get um, you know subscribers every month, and then people would drop it, and then they would sign up for WrestleMania, and you know a, a pretty large percentage that signed up for WrestleMania would would drop it over the next three months, and. The Peacock people feel that they're not only they're not only are they getting a lower price, but they're also getting access to so much more. You're going to get other sports. You're going to get all these entertainment shows. So they think the deal is so good that they will not have that churn. And without that churn, the number would be well over one point one million. That's the so basically these wrestling fans are going to try out Peacock and they're going to say, "Man, I can get the Munsters." And they stick around, even if they're not necessarily watching WWE regularly. That's the theory behind it. I don't know. You know, I mean, nobody knows. Um, well, I do know this. If you look at the math. The math doesn't look good. Myself, you, everybody listening to this right now, Peacock is paying $1,000 over five years for each person listening to this right now that has a WWE Network subscription. That's a lot of ads. Yeah, it's it's actually actually it's 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 closer to to um, nine hundred. But you're pretty much on the ball. Yeah, yeah, they're paying a lot. Um, yeah, like nine hundred ninety two dollars or something like that. Yeah, um, but we're also in theory going to spend three hundred dollars on subscriptions between now. Although not all of us will. In fact, I don't think I even have to. So that's cool. I'm going to save nine ninety nine. And at worst, I'd be saving five five dollars a month, so it's 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 you know it's not a bad thing in that sense. Um, they're not going to break away pay per views in a separate tier. I don't understand that at all because I was just because of this deal, I was doing the math for UFC, and oh my fucking god, do you realize that? Um, they made and this is just in U.S that ESPN, which is paying $200 million a year for, for the UFC pay-per-view business, right? That on Saturday, unless they have to refund a lot of money from unhappy people, 
they already got $85 million. So it's like in one show, and there's going to be 11 more pay-per-views this year that are going to do, you know, probably an average of uh, $28 million each, you know? So that's like $360 right there, maybe more. That they're getting million. 360 million out of the 200 million. It's like they that that business is so lucrative right now. And when the UFC deal is up in 2025, the pay-per-view deals up in 2025, that deal is going to be worth so much money, whether it's ESPN or they go somewhere else, they're going to get they're going to get like 400 million dollars instead of 200 million on their next deal. UFC actually, you know, um, as it turns out, UFC should have like taken a short-term contract because like they were just looking to get that guaranteed money and get out of pay-per-view and just get, you know, bypass the cable operators. And they didn't see, like it, we all thought that like, you know, the, 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 the thing that everybody missed was that we all figured it would take a long time to get all those TV viewers to stream because with WWE there's, you know, that they still, as of last year, that the number of people who bought pay-per-view was from, for most shows was roughly 10% of the number that did before. So it's like 90% went to the network, but 10% are still paying like 60 bucks. God only knows why 10%. Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez, everybody. (laughs) So there you go. It's their, some of their breakdown of the WWE to Peacock Network deal. You heard what they said. Why is Peacock doing this? Does that help them out financially? A billion-dollar deal. Again, great for wrestling, great for Vince McMahon. But where does that leave us? Does that mean that it gets better as far as in-ring storylines? Yeah, I'm thinking not. So, AEW... <laughs> They had their show this past Wednesday on the 27th of January. I don't think, I, I don't think I've talked about this before. Uh, this Bullet Club thing. You know, the Bullet Club, especially with the Young Bucks, and I guess you could throw in the Good Brothers on this as well, uh, and Kenny Omega, that was the main event. The Good Brothers and the Young Bucks in uh, their matchup against the Dark Order. Of Silver, Reynolds, Grayson, and Evil Uno. You know, I've never wanted a Bullet Club t-shirt. I've owned NWO t-shirts in the past, for sure. One DX t-shirt, I think, in the past as well. But um, when it comes to factions or these group of wrestlers, you know, it's got to be cool. It's got to be cutting edge. The NWO was so cutting edge there were people that weren't wrestling fans that were wearing NWO t-shirt just because it was just black and white t-shirt and it looked cool. The design was different, right? And so, uh, the same thing with DX. I mean, who's, I mean, it was, if you were a WWE fan or if you just thought that Triple H and Shawn Michaels and, um, you know, the New Age Outlaws were cool, of course, you'd wear the t-shirt. You'd, wear, you'd find the merch, right? This, uh... <laughs> This Young Bucks, Good Brothers, like, this Bullet Club thing has never taken off to me. And although there's been iter- different iterations of the Bullet Club, but you go back even the last couple of years in Japan, at New Japan Pro Wrestling, and a little bit in the States here, all the stuff they were doing was just borrowed from the NWO and DX. 
there's no originality to what those guys have done. Oh, we're part of the Bullet Club. So what does that mean necessarily? Right? So crotch chops and two sweets, all this stuff that apparently a lot of these younger wrestlers have grown up with, even some of these older wrestlers have grown up with, and they've just kind of borrowed along. Like the two sweet is not hot and the crotch chops and suck it, whatever, right? It just... If you're going to do that, it's got to evolve into something where now you want to live vicariously through that group. Um, when we see this kind of rekindling of the Bullet Club, it does nothing for me, right? Because when you have factions, I don't care if it's the Heenan Family, Devastation Incorporated, the Valiant Brothers, uh, you know, uh, Heart Foundation, the Horsemen, the Freebirds, whoever, right? You want to live vicariously through that group like, yeah, I wish I was a member of that. That seems cool. I like their merch or I like their style or when I'm in the hallways in high school, I'm going to do those promos like I saw on TV or I'm going to practice this against my friend in the backyard or in the school, whatever, right? These, these old guys rolling out there like they're in their twenties and trying to be cool on promos. It's just, it's not cool. I think that if you are a wrestler today and you're trying to mimic what the WWE does, you are the problem. I watch Impact Wrestling and watch the heavyweight champion. I'm watching Rich Swan still do his WWE promo on Impact. Just look at me. Just look at me in the camera and tell me why I should believe in you and that hairstyle as Impact Champion. It's just, I just don't get it, y'all. I just don't understand. Like if I was a wrestler, I just I guess I would be just the, the oddball that actually want to do it right. Looking you in the in the eyes. In the camera, and I want you, you may not believe in anything around me in this company that I wrestle for, but you're gonna believe in me, right? If nothing else, I'm not gonna be a sports entertainer. I will be a guy that does great promos, be as good as in the ring as possible. I might be looking at the lights and losing every night, but you'll know that I'm a professional wrestler, not a sports entertainer. And it's just it's just weird to me. It really is. It's not everybody across the board, but when I'm watching these young bucks. And he's good brothers. It's like, this is just lame. (laughs) Reinvent. Don't do what everybody else does. Because here's the thing. When you mimic what you like, that means that you're not a star. You're mimicking stars. So if if you're mimicking the ones that made money and they're on top, then who are you? That's why I just think it's weird that they do that. Anyway, can, uh, can can I be bought? Can I be sold? That the Dark Order now are baby faces because their leader passed away. I mean, I mean, seriously, John Huber passed away tragically. You go to the archives of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, and you can find the podcast of me talking about uh, Brody Lee. But now, because he passed away, now they're all baby faces, right? They were they were not even good heels, and they had some funny sketches to make you think, okay, well they're not really heels. So they were likable on those YouTube uh, be, be the Elite videos. And so now I'm supposed to believe these guys as baby faces. The Dark Order baby faces. It's interesting. And out of all those guys, it's going to be like Cole Cabana and John Silver that's going to get around the most. Because I still don't know what Alex Reynolds does. And Evil Uno is a decent promo on those YouTube videos, but I don't know what he can really do. And so when that main event happened, I'm like, okay, well, I know how this is going to happen. You got two guys of impact, two guys from uh, AEW. They're going to get over on this established 
for better or for worse, Dark Order. All right. Um, so the best match on Wednesday night, without question, was the, the old captain's match. We used to call it the old captain's match when you had um, a singles match from two tag teams. It's kind of like Bobby Fulton will take on Bobby Eaton. It would be the Fantastics against the Midnight Express, except it's one-on-one action, not tag team. So the old captain's match took place with Jungle Boy against um, Dax Harwood. That was the best match of all Wednesday. You know why? Because it was a wrestling uh, match. Wrestling match. Go back and watch that match and watch how Dax Harwood took control. A tag team wrestler, by the way, that was in there and he controlled and grounded Jungle Boy in a wrestling match. Jungle Boy wasn't flying all over the place. He was wrestling Dax Harwood. That's one of the best matches I've ever seen Jungle Boy have because it wasn't flip, flop, fly. It wasn't all over the arena. It wasn't, it, it was a great match, even with the shenanigans of Luchasaurus uh, handcuffing uh, Cash Wheeler and Tully Blanchard. They were all handcuffed together, all three. Luchasaurus, which I've never seen before. Luchasaurus handcuffed to Cash Wheeler and Tully Blanchard. Dax and Jungle Boy put on a hell of a match. And Jungle Boy got over, of course he got over, because he's going to be the future star. But you can't be a star unless you actually know how to wrestle more than one way. He's looking at you. Um, (laughs) Here's looking at you when I say that, my friend, John Moxley. So I really enjoyed that match. It was really, really good. Really liked that. That was a really solid match. I want to see more of Ryan Nemeth, the um, brother of Nick Nemeth. Dolph Ziggler, I look forward to seeing more of him. He wrestled Adam Page. That's interesting. Um, and I look forward to seeing more of the Varsity Blondes. It's, it's kind of an odd name, Varsity Blondes, right? Very odd name. It is a hybrid of the Varsity Club and the Hollywood Blondes. The Hollywood Blondes was the tag team of, St- Stun- of uh, Stunning Steve Austin and Brian Pillman, the late Brian Pillman. And now you have Griff Garrison... And you have Brian Pillman Jr. as a tag team called the Varsity Blondes. Varsity Club from the 80s in the NWA and the Hollywood Blondes from the early 90s. And so because Taz loved the Varsity Club, now they're the Varsity Blondes. Hate that name. But that's a tag team. If you keep them together, they could be... A really good solid tag team, which is a lot of those, it's a lot of tag teams in AEW, but they, you haven't have enough of them to emerge to be real contenders and be a cohesive unit. We will see. Griff Garrison and uh, as well as Pillman Jr. losing to MJF and Chris Jericho. So I thought that that was a decent dynamite. I knew it was going to be a good dynamite, and the reason why is because it was pre taped. When they edit dynamite, they keep it tight. You could you could tell. And it's not a bad thing either. I don't care if it's live or tape. Just entertain me. That was just a really solid AEW Dynamite. And I, since I knew it was taped, I knew the production values would be better. Even though they had an issue with um, with a satellite uh, issue early on. Um, but, you know, there was an apology there by the boss man from AEW, Tony Khan. So they fixed that. But there was a technical error during the stream for uh, AEW Dynamite on Wednesday night. So they fixed that. NXT. Could someone tell me who is writing for NXT these days? You know, before they were on the uh, 
WWE Network and before they were on in before they were on USA, this was one of my favorite shows. And you could tell that there is some differences in the NXT uh, the presentation. And I don't know if that's Vince, I don't know if that's Road Dog Jesse James, but there's there's something different about this show. And you know, I, I'm wondering about a number of things. They had this Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. And my thought is that if you're going to have a Dusty Rose Tag Team Classic, man, get as many quality tag teams across Raw, SmackDown, 205 Live, NXT UK, and put them in here. I mean, not just teams that you put together or teams we haven't seen before, like MSK. I mean, like, Grizzled Young Veterans should win this thing. Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch should win this thing. Finn Balor and Kyle O'Reilly. I mean, you want to have established teams as much as possible to get this done. And uh, I look forward to seeing if there's going to be established tag teams even after this Dusty Classic. It's okay. It's just not great. Uh, when I always watch NXT, I think, for the most part, it's, it's a solid show. But there's that sizzle that used to be there is not quite there. It has nothing to do with AEW, too, because I can separate the two. Um, the main event where the uh, NXT champion Finn Balor and Kyle O'Reilly defeat Lorcan and Birch. I'm happy for Lorcan and Birch. Here's my question. Where's Pat McAfee? Uh, where's Pat McAfee? What happened to him? He just disappeared? I think that was odd. <laughs> he, he just disappeared. I don't know what happened to that man, but he was the most one of the most over guys in NXT, and then they told him, okay, we'll see you next spring. Just distant now, he's just doing his radio show on Mad Dog Radio on Sirius XM. That guy should be out there every other week or be in some kind of video package because that guy can talk. I don't even think you. When I hear Pat McAfee, it's almost like he's not even scripted. And so, and that made him fresh on the on any WWE program, and then he just goes away. All that buildup of him being able to turn Birch and Lorcan, make him tag team champions, try to put together a little something, uh, and he just disappears off the TV. That's weird to me. Don't know why that happened, but that's weird. So I thought it was once again every Wednesday you gives you get something from NXT or AEW. Uh, I can never remember a time where both shows let me down. So there's always a match or two that emerges as they both build the storylines. And the ratings came out and they were both pretty much the same, around a little bit over seven hundred thousand viewers for both NXT and AEW. So both win. I'm not in the battle of of shitting on AEW and sh- or shitting on NXT. There's things I like and don't like, but when people start, you, you could. Hey, look, by the way, I'm not going to tell you how to fan when it comes to wrestling. Yes, on you. I just know that more wrestling on TV is good for the business. Uh, other options in the WWE is actually better. NXT is an uh, a alternative to Raw and SmackDown. I'm good with that. AEW is an alternative to all of this. So I've got no problem with it. There's going to be things that question clearly that are like, I don't know why this is happening. Uh, but f- for the most part, I'm pretty pleased with both companies on some of the things that they do. Some of some of it, not all, <laughs> but some. Royal Rumble's coming up. I think Brock Lesnar's going to win the Royal Rumble because that's not what I want. And that's what a lot of fans probably don't want because there is a Brock Lesnar fatigue in the, among WWE fans. And so that means that Brock Lesnar probably is going to return. And it doesn't have to be something that's out there in the public where they got to say, hey, we've signed Brock Lesnar and it gives it away. I just kind of think that maybe they'll find a way to get him back in the mix 
against Roman Reigns at some point. I could be wrong. Um, but it, it, as long as it's not like The Miz or just somebody weak and they're just uh, letting the Royal Rumble just uh, hopefully that could be the case. And every year I root for Natalia to win the Royal Rumble. I know she's not going to, but here is someone like Dolph Ziggler that has been pushed aside along, among other wrestlers have been just pushed, pushed aside as you're just a good hand. Where's her time? Where's Natalia's time to be the champion uh, over the, over this era? This time during this pandemic, she takes over the internet. She is, uh, she's been a grizzled veteran for a long time. She's been great at what she does. Why can't she get the opportunity? Right. We'll see what happens. This is WWE and it's, you can't do the, old you, you expect the unexpected. No, they'll give you exactly what you expect is. And that's usually something you don't want. It's like the, the Royal rumble, right? Hopefully maybe they'll, they'll surprise us with something. Uh, if it's not Brock Lesnar, then I'll go Daniel Bryan. How about that? Because if people ask me, who do you like? Those are two that I think that very well could happen on the men's side for the Royal Rumble. Did you hear that Kurt Angle has a podcast coming? God. Shouts out to Conrad Thompson. Let me tell you something. As far as podcast empires are concerned... There is plenty of wrestling podcasts that you can listen to, and I appreciate you spending time on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. But let me just tell you that when it comes to podcast empires, I'm just my I'm just a wrestling fan. I'm just one guy. But man, you talk about podcast empires. So the two that come to mind outside of what you hear on Sirius XM with Dave LaGreca and Bully Ray and my guy Mark Henry and Tommy Dreamer, I'm part of that busted open crew as a fill-in host. Uh, every now and then. So I, I'm glad to be part of the busted open family. Uh, but man, that, that's something that's an empire because it's on Sirius XM six days a week, sometimes seven. That's cool. I like that. Um, but Conrad Thompson, we've had him on the show before. You can go to the archives and check out Tuesday wrestling Tuesday or look up Jonathan hood with Conrad Thompson. You can hear our conversation, man. Let me tell you. He has shows every day, if you care to hear him. Eric Bischoff, who I, I make fun of sometime for him blaming everybody besides himself for the failures of WCW. So Eric Bischoff, Arn Anderson, um, Tony Schiavone, Jim Ross, Bruce Pritchard, and now Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle is having his own podcast, part of adfreeshows.com. Shouts out to Conrad Thompson. Doing a great job of giving the fan what he wants and what or she wants. And that is some great conversation. Who knows what Kurt Angle is going to talk about? I'm sure it's going to be talking a lot about his TNA run, talk about his um, run with the WWE. That's going to be fun. I can make a case that Kurt Angle had a more impressive career in TNA than he did in the WWE. That gets the people fired up. <laughs> He had a lot of great matches in TNA. Oh, I know. Laugh out loud is TNA because they're not good, blah, blah, blah. No, he had some really, really great matches when he left the WWE and went to TNA. Great matches with Samoa Joe, with Sting, so many others. So I'm looking, I'm, I'm happy for Conrad. You know, there's some other people that produce five, six, seven podcasts a week that can't even bust a grape and uh, that not even in the top 10 not even in the top 400, 500.
But Conrad Thompson is with his ad-free shows and getting these podcasts going. Congratulations to him. Kurt Angle on the podcast should be very, very interesting. It really should be. A lot of stories to tell. So I'm glad that he's uh, getting a chance to do that. All right, my friends, as always, I appreciate you supporting Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Tell people, John the Hood Talks Wrestling. Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, every Tuesday night. Um, and we will get a chance to review the Royal Rumble. We'll talk about that. And we always have some special guests that's going to be coming down the line for the uh, foreseeable future in the next few months. So hope you get a chance to tell people about this podcast. Subscribe and download and share. Tell people. John the Hood Talks Wrestling, Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday right here on the ESPN Chicago app and wherever else you download your podcasts.